So, uh, what are we going to talk about now that the best TV show is finished? Um, like, should we go back and should this now become one of those things where I think the West Wing did it and a couple of other podcasts have done it where they just go beat for beat and do the whole rewatch and every episode is an episode. So, we should, should we become like the Succession rewatch cast? Yeah, we're rewatchables but for Succession because um, TV's peaked. It's on the downslope. The writer strikes on. Nothing's coming out. I think that's a real valid concern that like TV's going to be really shit in 12 months' time. Yeah, it's, it's kind of everyone's kind of like, yeah, yeah it'll be fine. Uh, stuff will be coming out, but um, only for the next six months. <laughs> this time next year, there's not going to be anything on. It's going to look bleak. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm quite conscious that Andor could be shit. Yeah, because Tony Guru is not on it anymore. Not on set. They're, that's a bit like... They're filming it with the number one boy, Tony Gilroy. Best writer-producer in the business. Yeah, so that makes me a bit nervous that it might not be actually that good. Uh, welcome to the advanced screening. My name is Justin Corbett, and I am joined, as always, by the new CEO of Waystar Royco Gojo, Tom Kelly. How are you, Tom? Cunt is, is what cunt does. <laughs> Carpe the Diem. Let's do it. Uh, the one of the greatest shows in television has just finished Succession, so we will talk about its season finale uh, in a minute. But we thought it was a good excuse because it is definitely going to go into most people's top five, at least top ten lists. Um, so we're going to do our top five lists of best TV shows of all time first. But I wanted to ask you before we get to our lists. Don't put Succession in your list, but if you were going to, would it be in there? Oh, I see. I find it really hard to make these arbitrary sort of choices of of greatest of all time and stuff like that. So, like, I wouldn't say is it the TV is it the best TV show I've watched. I don't know about that, but is it the one that's actually meant the most and had the biggest impact? It's in the conversation for sure. It's hard, it's hard to know without rewatching. And when I put together my list, a big thing that I excluded were shows that I don't ever want to go back and rewatch. So whenever people do lists like this, they always automatically go for things like Sopranos, Breaking Bad, Mad Men, The Wire. These are shows that everyone always talks about, blah, 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 they're the best. And I've watched them and they were good, but I would never put any of those shows back on. So for me, they don't make the list. See, like Mad Men had like a sort of a, a rerun over like co- like COVID. People sort of discovered that show. I remember like we got through like three or four seasons of Breaking Bad and we just never finished it, which I know that's probably people would be appalled by that because Breaking Bad is still very much in the zeitgeist given like Better Call Saul and stuff like that. But it's just mm. something we persisted with and then didn't continue. The, like... The thing that I want to start is The Sopranos. And I think we'll probably run that way to go because like our friends Tom and Phoebe are doing that at the moment. And I think that would be sort of a good sort of way to pick it up that like we can talk about that with them. Does that make sense? And now you've got the time because there's no succession on. Yeah, you know what I mean? And like pretty soon we're going to be home pretty much all the time. Oh, why is that? Because we're going to have a baby. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to be up... All hours of the day, so you're going to have plenty of time. That's okay. And you, know what? you can just 
plonk your little baby on the couch and have the Gan- um, Gandolfini and his mafia family blowing people's heads off in the background. Gabagool! <laughs> um, so let's get to our list. We won't spend too long because we obviously want to chat about Succession wrap-up as a whole. Um, I'll jump right in. I've done mine by categories because trying to list the top five shows of all time is pretty, pretty hard. So I'm going to go with best sci-fi shows first. Um, and I picked The Expanse and Stargate. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Have you ever watched The Expanse? I think I told you to a few times. A little bit. Bits and pieces. So real quick. But I'm um, not, I, w- I wouldn't call myself a fan at all. So The Expanse is on Amazon. Uh, I think it's about five seasons. Finished up now. Um, set in the future, but not too far, where they've essentially populated only as far as the asteroid belt. Um, and it's very, the best way to describe it is Game of Thrones, but in space. It's all about the politics of Earth versus Mars versus the asteroid belt. And this little tiny crew on a ship that get caught up in all this big inter-solar system politics. Um, so that's really good. And Stargate is obviously Stargate. Um, brilliant show. I've watched... 280 episodes of Stargate across three series um, 100 million times I don't think anyone's going to go back and rewatch that on my recommendation but I couldn't do a list without it um, Can I pick it up? Yeah, about Stargate hopefully Oh, oh like Stargate <laughs> was very much a show of our youth when it's like I really liked Stargate at 12 and then when I hit 14 I was almost like you're a fucking loser I put it all on during the pandemic again and I regretted not one second of it <laughs> It was so good. Stargate is sci-fi, crossing planets, but none of this Star Trek shit where everything's in the future and everyone has future tech. It's like present day Earth against incredibly powerful aliens and them just like kind of scrapping every time they get in a fight. And it's really good. Um, I wanted to pick out... Well, I suppose this covers like a one and done and sci-fi for me. Um it's super weird. Um, devs. Did you oh, see it? Oh, I love Devs. How good? Nick Offerman doing like the weirdest. And so what the general yeah, premise... I was about yeah. to say, can you try to explain Devs? Uh, what was the type of technology that they were developing? Um, something to do with memory. Like they were trying to store people's memories, but in doing so found that they could actually create like a whole alternate world where those people were living. They, and they could then be, oh, it's like, like quantum mania. So it was like the adult version of like Ant-Man. Yeah. Yes. Pretty much. What's wrong with that? Right. Um, and because it was like hardcore sort of mathematics and science and then the whole idea they were able these developers were able to then get to the point where we could then create projections of the past and the future Um, and just super weird tech noir set in in a futuristic San Francisco on this tech campus Um, loved it Um, it was by the guy who's done all the scary sort of sci-fi stuff recently, right? Yeah, so it was um, Alex Garland who wrote 28 Days Later, uh, the zombie film, uh, and then wrote and directed Ex Machina and Annihilation. Annihilation, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And good. Annihilation, that sort of fucks you up when you yeah. watch that. Oh, yeah. I love Devs. Good pick. Yeah, and, and I liked just 
it was a great hang show where the atmospheres would sort of wash over you, that ambient music and the acting from people who was like, you hadn't seen them before and stuff. And I can't remember any names because as you know, I'm shit with names. Um, but the whole aesthetic and suspense and mystery built around it. I really enjoyed that. And like Nick Offerman and then Alison Pill as his offsider yep. slash romantic partner. Yeah. Just creepy and weird. It was great. Yeah, it was very good. Um, I should have said at the start, we're going to we're gonna rank our favorite shows by categories. So we've got sci-fi, drama, comedy, fantasy, and best one-season shows. So if you only take away one recommendation, best shows that end after a single season. I'm going to hit drama next. Um, and funnily enough, my two number one drama shows uh, of all time uh, that I've gone back and rewatched a couple of times, taking away things like Breaking Bad, Sopranos, and all that, is done by the same person, both done by Damon Lindelof, and that's Lost and The Leftovers. So everyone knows what Lost is. Anyone who didn't stick with it to the end or watched it as it was coming out and didn't like the ending, all I can say, I don't need to talk about Lost too much, all I can say is it is amazing on a binge, on a rewatch. It's all on Stan. I did Obviously, it's 22 episodes a season, so it's super hard to do now, but... Um, I did it during lockdown and character payoffs two or three or four seasons later are so much better when you've just binged it and you remember what's going on. Um, and The Leftovers, I think we talked about the other week, is you've seen all of it or you saw bits of it? Bits of it. Leftovers is only three. Again, based on your recommendations. Get back get back into The Leftovers. It's got such a good conclusion. Um, it's only three seasons of about 10 episodes, so you'd get through it real quick. And that's the, the show about 2% of the population just suddenly vanishing. Um, that happens before the first episode even starts. And all you're dealing with is a really, really good character drama about the people who are left. And you think 2% of the population vanishing isn't much, but you really see kind of how people stop functioning or try to function through that it's a grim fucking show though it's so grim so get ready for that but leftovers and lost are my drama picks uh i think i've got for drama i've got the footy show <laughs> comedy or drama no i'm, I'm taking the piss <laughs> uh, uh, i've got uh i've got the west wing i don't think i need to talk too much about that just because that that's a show well i actually don't think as as it ages it, that show has become far less relevant because it was this Aaron Sorkin-esque sort of view of like liberal, liberal America and what it could potentially be um, sort of leading up to the Obama years and then like we're living in this sort of like post-Trumpian sort of limbo world where it's almost like it's, it's so irrelevant to our current experience. Um, but I really enjoyed it for the... Ex- again because of my experience with that show. While I don't think it's probably the best thing I've ever seen, it means the most. It's so, it's hard. I tried to actually start, I've never watched The West Wing, and I tried to start watching it um, end of last year, start of this year, I watched like two or three first season episodes. The first season's not so great. It's so hard to get into now because it's so like sugar-coated and optimistic and yes. like... This is a team that supports a president that um, just does the right thing and really believes in America. <laughs> and it's just like, that's nothing like it is now. So it's really hard. It's almost like you're watching 
fan fiction of what America should be. Yeah, it was like it was idyllic for its time, and and it was sort of running as like the opposition at the time during the Bush years and post Clinton, and now it's almost like th- this is tiddlywinks. Like, like Roman would come in and say like false flag didn't happen prove it prove yeah. it with what your false facts <laughs> bunch yeah. of snowflakes Sam yeah. Steve Bourne you, yeah, you, go, like, you go back two episodes in the last season of Succession to their political episode and how much that is literally politics right now and that is so far from what the West Wing was a decade and a half ago 20 years ago the, the big baddie at the end who was trying to stop the like the Democrat from winning was Alan Alder. <laughs> Alan Alder from MASH? Alan Alder? Yes. So like he was like, and he wasn't even seen as a baddie because eventually the Democrat wins and he makes Alan Alder the Secretary of State. Oh, a Republican. God. So it's so <laughs> like, it's complete fantasy land. Yeah, it's like we respect each other. We just have different views about governing, whatever, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I love that you've gone drama uh, West Wing because literally my next thing was comedy, and I had Veep. Yeah, I, so, I love that that you've gone there, and I think when we talk about Veep, I, you're obviously going to have your bit, but I think Veep runs in a line where the thick of it and the UK series of that. Um, I, I'm not sure if you've seen it. I, I adore that show with the, like Malcolm T- Tucker and Peter Capaldi and what they did with that character. So the, those two are very much one and the same, but I feel like Veep and the evolution that the show went on where it went from similar to like the US office where it became its own thing. Yeah, and I think um, Jesse Armstrong, who created Succession, worked on the thick of it with... Um... Armando, who uh, they both worked on the thick of it, and then Armando did Veep, and Armstrong did Succession, and it's so funny that they're two these two British guys, or at least European guys. I don't know where Armando's from, who have come. No, no, over, they're, both, they're both English. Yeah. yeah, both English, who have come over to America and made the most satirical, funny, but also biting, critical uh, shows about American politics and American media. And culture. Um, like, and culture, really, and just yeah. culture in general. So Veep, I'm sure people know, but just in case they don't, is Dewey Louis-Dreyfus, Julie Louis-Dreyfus playing the vice president and essentially uh, just an absolute scathing review of how inept, incompetent, mean, ridiculous uh, politics in America is and her staff just rolling around. If uh, just a show full of the best insults that have ever been hurled at anyone um, and is hilarious. So, I actually want to give you a recommendation what you should do now. Yep. You need to go see watch Peep Show. I've never watched Peep Show, which is what Jesse Armstrong did, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, I, and, Ma- and was it Mark McLeod? McLeod? Or I don't know. He's the, like the, he's the seasonal director of Succession. And they oh, were Milo. The creative par- yeah, Milo. Yeah. And that, they were the creative partnership on Peep Show. And you you can see some of the insults and also like the familiar nature where the sibling sort of sniping comes from peep show and they're not sibling, but they're flatmates and they're, they're very familiar. And that sort of repartee that characters had, I, I could definitely see like the, the foundations of that was built in peep show, but then like the chaos 
of moments where it's almost like Romans blew up a Japanese yeah. uh, satellite. That's from the thick of it. Yes. And Veep is very much the same where it's it's like all these people are meant to be working together, but they take pot shots at each other as if they're siblings that hate each other. Um, my other kind of just personal Veep's kind of very well regarded. My other one that kind of slipped under the radar for comedy is Catastrophe, which is on Binge. I think Veep is on Binge as well. Catastrophe is... Um, Rob Delaney, the American comedian, and Sharon Horgan, the British comedian from like yeah. um, Bad Sisters and stuff. Uh, they have they're in their like early forties. He's in UK. They have a one night stand. She gets pregnant, and they're just like, "Fuck it, this could be our last chance." They decide to have the kid and try to work it out. Um, and it's just again, great British scathing funny show. Uh, with comedy, what I'm picking up on is uh, I'm sort of torn between two between. Quality and quantity. <laughs> yep. And so there's no surprises that, that it's a British and American sort of alternatives. And we're, we're talking about 30 Rock, which I really enjoyed watching growing up when I was like 17, 18, and then through to my early 20s when it had that run. It was shown on like Channel 7, like 10, 30, 9, and you would go buy the DVDs because <laughs> yes. Channel 7 would then relegate it to like 11, 30, then 12, 30. Um, while, while it was like the most successful sort of TV comedy that in the US. Can we, but, can we talk about that for a hot second? How weird, like we're never on it anymore, so who gives a shit? But how weird was free-to-air TV in Australia where you'd have the like 8 p.m. time slot, 15 million people watching in America, something like 30 Rock or Parks and Rec or The Office, and then you'd try to watch it in Australia. It's <laughs> like 10.30 p.m. on a Tuesday night once a week for a half-hour comedy. Like, how am I, what are you doing? Not everyone is off free-to-air now. Parks and Rec is, like, I feel like is very much a, a much-loved show of a, of a particular generation, but it got no love at all from Australian free-to-air networks, whereas, like, I think Seven had it, and they played it, like, at 11 o'clock at night. And it was, but they would still play... How you, how I Met Your Mother reruns at 7.30, 8 o'clock yeah. every night. Yeah, really like going down the barrel of uh, intelligence on the kind of comedies that Channel 7 would play their audience. But that's, that's sorry, that's Parks and Rec, The Office. They're two that I kind of wanted to mention, but like everyone knows them, everyone loves them. But that was like the DVD generation, the box set generation. Yeah. That Like we had that. It's the only way anyone watched that. Um, so- sorry, 30 Rock. 30 Rock from a, from a quantity because there was so much, there's so much meme sort of stuff that is, is living on. I saw a really good one today where, um, you know, F boy, fuck boy Island has been launched on Foxtel. Yes. And that oh, was, we just pulled it up on binge. We're like, should we watch this show? We're like, nah, nah, don't so do it. That was a joke on 30 Rock, like a decade ago where like that Jack Donaghy had then like he was like hitting aces. He's like everything I'm touching is turning to gold. You're probably so, Alec Baldwin. Yeah, and exactly <laughs> right. And then he he said our summer programming is going ballistic. It's almost like F boy F boy Island is like a ratings hit. Oh, he actually says F boy Island. I think it's yeah. Or is it? I think it was F boy Island. Oh my god. Oh, oh no no no! It wasn't F boy Island. It was Milf Island. Oh well, that's a show too now as well. Yeah. But like the, the origins of that almost comes from that joke. Yep. And then Liz Lem is like, this is terrible. And it's almost like it's very tasteful programming because like she's a, she, this is a mother. She's gone back to university. She's trying to make the most of her life. And so what? She's knockout hot. And 
the the joke on Twitter today is like Jack Donaghy being almost like, "What are you talking about, Lemon? Fuckboy Island is really like respectful. It's got a welcome to country in the intro." <laughs> Does it actually? <laughs> well, when you watch it on binge, like all Fox programs oh, that have okay. been yeah, made yeah, yeah. here come with a welcome to country yeah. or. Um, or acknowledgement of country and it was almost like yeah it's a really tasteful program it's very respectful did you say that they actually made a MILF a MILF manor show as well oh. just, just to go off 30 Rock there's a show coming out in the US very very soon about like 10 MILFs like I hate that we're saying the word MILF so much what but are these, you 16 but these are shows you, you know what kids don't say anymore MILF, MILF. <laughs> there's a show about 10 milfs looking for love and the big reveal in the first episode is that the young boys that they're hopefully finding love with are the sons of the other milfs on the program that's just just stewing fucked. stewing that for a hot minute <laughs> mind you can you imagine like i saw like somebody had like pieced something together the other day i think it was like pina colada boys on instagram <laughs> where it was like uh there's something about miriam Oh god! Before you said that, I was just—I was literally running through my head. Should we bring up this something about Miriam? Can we talk about that? What a (laughs) fucked idea! Oh my god! And think about like the the the, is that sort of like before its time or painfully of its time? I don't know. Painfully of its time. You even even with um, as progressive as a lot of the world is now, you still can't do a show like that. Like outrageous transphobia. <laughs> it's so bad. But I mean, outrageous transphobia to assume that the guy can either choose to go on a date with Miriam and take a hundred and twenty grand, or would be like, no, gross, yuck, and leave. It ended happily. The guy went on... No! He pulled out at the end. Are you sure? Yeah, he walked away. Oh, damn it. I don't know what I was thinking of. Damn it. I thought he said... I thought he said yes. Love's not real. Love's dead. <laughs> <laughs> what was um? What was your other show? Uh, Fleabag. Oh, yeah. God, I Which is I, Fleabag. I actually think it's the probably the best comedy of the last 15, 20 years, easily. Um, I think it's so cutting and so smart. What Phoebe Waller Bridge did with that show, especially with season two with Hot Priest, it was doing stuff that you hadn't sort of seen in TV from a character perspective. The breaking of that fourth wall. But Best that's ever been done. Yeah. So um, I don't want to go on about that because we want to talk about Succession in a sec. But yeah, the fantastic show. Fleabag, uh, so successful that Phoebe Waller Bridge is now on a $60 million a year Retainer. Um, retainer for Amazon that has been going for three years and she hasn't made a single show. Isn't <laughs> they, Donald Glover doing the same thing yeah, as well? They got them both on a retainer to make programs only for Amazon, $60 million a year each for three years, didn't make a single show, and they just renewed their contract last week. So good for think, them. Do you think it's in a way where it's almost like we are taking the talent off the table? Yeah, yeah. It's the same way that... um. I can't remember what the specific term is, but it's what um, uh, studios do where they will buy a script and put it in a drawer and maybe they'll like get around to it at some point, but they'll own that script for 10 years so no one else can make the movie except for them. And then if they have time and budget, they'll do it. But sometimes a writer will sell their script and it'll never get made for 10 years and then it'll go back to them. I'm really curious about the creative process. About <laughs> <laughs> We should do a whole episode just about creative process. Yeah, I think we'll have to. 
Um, and I think time is going to open up now that yeah, we don't have succession to talk over. about it. Um, we might... I'll play. go through these really quickly. Sure. Um, my last few, uh, in the fantasy genre, Game of Thrones, don't need to talk about. Um, everyone's watched it. Everyone loved it. It ended bad, broke my heart, but super, super good. The one I do want to talk about is um, the other option in fantasy is Kingdom on Netflix, which is essentially two seasons of six episodes taking the zombie drama and plonking it in medieval Korea. So take zombies, get rid of cars, get rid of guns, and it's a bunch of dudes with swords and bows and arrows fighting like they're fighting to save their kingdom from zombies. And if you've seen Train to Busan or anything, you know that Korean cinema does the best zombie film. So if you're into that genre and you haven't heard of this show and you can handle subtitles, Kingdom is probably the best iteration of zombies I've ever seen on film. Um, I've just got a really quick one to round it out for fantasy is Friends. Because <laughs> they live in New York City in massive apartments and don't talk to a single black person in 10 years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I felt bad not putting Friends in comedy, but everyone's seen Friends, so why bother recommending it? And is it funny? I don't think so. I, if it's on TV, I still laugh. Not, not as much as I used to. But we also, going back to like terrestrial TV and free to wear, where I think you were of that sort of like you were watching Channel 10 with Seinfeld or you were watching Channel 9 with Friends. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's what it was. And I watched Seinfeld and you watch Friends and that sort of, that's, where now it's almost like choice, watch everything. Or actually be so overwhelmed by the weight of everything, struggle to pick anything, and then end up deciding, I'll watch Seinfeld. Spend 40 minutes trying to pick a new show to watch, and you're like, oh, that's just 40 minutes I wasted. Let's watch 30 minutes of Seinfeld and go to bed. Or just like an Alec Baldwin movie from the 90s. <laughs> the Edge, but the bed! <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any more? I got just two more for my single season shows. No, I'm done. Otherwise, I'll just crack gags. We already talked about Station Eleven. Uh, yeah, on another pod. Brilliant single season show on Stan. Uh, pandemic wipes out most of the world. Post-apocalyptic, but it's one of the rare ones where like it's actually optimistic about rebuilding and life. So if you like that, and the other one was Band of Aaron Brothers. Aaron Sorkin-esque. Everything's Aaron Sorkin-esque. <laughs> um, and the other was Band of Brothers. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, which is just great. If you're into war, World War II, if you're into war. In a war. If you're into war. If, if, if you just like current events. Uh, then, then go watch this World War Two. I can't wait for the Ukrainian band of brothers. Oh, that'll happen. My my old boss at EQ Media is doing the um, one of the first and only Ukrainian war documentaries. Actually, he went. Yeah, da, da, da. there you go. Just just a little hot tip for you. Look out for it. I do uh, think Zelensky is ready for like a satire. Well, they they interviewed Zelensky, uh, ex actor, uh, real showman that he is. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, honorable mentions, Chernobyl and Stranger Things. So they're, they're kind of the shows away from the mainstream that I think, are some of the best, but should we take a break and then talk about what could be in the future classified as one I of, just, I just need best. a break. I just, I just, I just can't do this right now. Can you just fuck off? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll be back in a sec. <laughs> Alright, let's get straight into it. Um, Succession season finale. Uh, 
we should have recorded this so that everyone could have watched us with their face eggs. Um, <sighs> eyeballs, gooey <Yuck>. eyeballs <laughs> rolling around in your skull. Um, I don't really know how to... I may, I took notes, but like this is kind of like a season episode series wrap up. I don't really know how to talk about it. So I've just got... I, I just My initial thoughts, just like if we went through kind of like try to go through the episode is... Kendall walking in in his opening scene of the final episode and saying Carpe the Diem. Like, I don't know if he did that on purpose or if he's just a fucking idiot, but he's a bit of both. And Shiv's opening scene just talking so much at Matson, just so aggressively. I immediately knew Carpe the Diem and Shiv aggressively going at Matson and him just like recoiling into himself. I'm like, these kids aren't going to win. No, no one's going to win here. really wanted Ken to win. I really Talk, wanted yeah. it. Go on. Like, I, I wanted to see, like, Jeremy Strong has given, like, one of the best TV performances of all time because Ken has done terrible stuff and he's a terrible person, but, like, you just empathize with him so much and you want him to just be good and do the right thing and win. Like, that... Yeah, that last scene of him saying, like, I don't know how to do anything else. I was told this when I was seven years old. I was, like, weeping for him. There was, um, there was obviously the, there was a clear moment where he fucked it and it was over. And when he was almost like, I made it up about, like, the waiter in Scotland and how we ran him off the road and stuff like that. And he's like, I just made it up just to bring us together and bond. And they were almost like, what are you talking about? And it was almost like he's like, he's dead. He just died in that moment, and it's over. And it was like, oh, and like, isn't that you? You make the the right points. Like after the episode, I'm trying to justify to Sam that like, yeah, Kendall's not a murderer. He was driving, and the kid grabbed the wheel. There was a crashed. deer on the road. They crashed, and he tried to save him, and he couldn't. And he drowned, and it's almost like that's not Ken's fault. Ken was high. It was very, um, it was very. What is it? JFK Junior. Just very. Chappaquiddick. Chappaquiddick. That's it. <laughs> um, okay, you brought up a good point. You say I. My biggest question to you. Uh, so obviously, they go in. The kids have this incredible moment, which we'll talk about. But let's just jump to the end. They have the votes, and then Shiv leaves the room. Yes. I didn't completely understand why she was leaving the room at that point. I got, by the end of their fight in the boardroom, I got that she's out, Roman's out, Ken fucked it. But why were they in there in the first place? And I think that it was, there was a moment where Kendall sits down in Logan's chair and gets very comfortable and puts his feet on the desk and they cut and to Shiv a couple of times where she's just like eyes, just her face eggs are just like bulging out of her head. And then she sees him in the boardroom talking absolute gibberish to all the all the members. And I think that was the moment where she realized I couldn't I this guy is a fucking idiot. And if I'm not gonna have it, I'm not gonna work for him. I would be better off going with my my guy Tom who I can at least in some way manipulate. Um, BK Corleone. Spoiler alert. 
Tom Wormsgans is the CEO of Waystar Royco. Royco. <laughs> Did you see that guy? Well, we're, bounce, uh, we're bouncing around too much. We'll get to Tom in a sec. But do you think what do you, what was your read on why Shiv left the room? I was confused um, on why she was doing that when her initial reaction to finding out that Tom was the candidate was almost like, let's go, and that Nicholas Brattel score just rouses up like Darth Vader out of the darkness. So good. And uh, I was almost like, but she's all in here. And then when you actually stop to think about it, it's almost like she had been making moves at the start of the episode where it's almost like, well, it would be convenient if we're still married because I'm going to have a kid and you're potentially going to still be the CEO of ATN or running ATN, so to speak. Um, and just like timing is finally working for us, maybe. Yeah, I, I think it was kind of like she knew it was in that moment she just despised Kendall so much, I think. Just trying to like take the place of their dad. And it was a little confusing. It felt like it was a little rushed, but I give it the benefit of the doubt of like, in that moment, she realized I can follow this absolute douchebag who I love because he's my brother, but hate because of who he is as a person. Well, wasn't that interesting in the Caribbean where they were almost like, should we kill Kendall? Is it the Caribbean? That was another question. Where the fuck yes, were they? certainly in the Caribbean. Because in the last episode, the, the kids are having the conversation, are we going to mum's powwow get-together in the Caribbean? Oh, Which so I reckon it's... Yeah, and I, I think about it. They're British, so Caribbean works. It's probably like Barbados or something like that. Yep. Uh, what was um, Peter Munyon trying to sell the kids on in I the Caribbean? But you asked me that, and it's almost like the scheme. And there was something about, like, what did the guy say? Jonathan? Ta- yeah, what did the Jonathan say about tax or something yeah, like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, they don't need to worry about it or something. Jonathan's a friend of Peter's who's been through a lot, but he's getting better, and he wants to pitch you an idea. I reckon this is some sort of, like, post-Brexit industries where it's almost like you, we can swoop in to buy these companies which are now drowning because they can't get the trade deal to the EU and we can pick them up for a pittance and sort of do something with them. <laughs> oh, feed them, and, and, and sell them for parts, you know what I mean? And then the kids leave and he's like, what a fucking waste of time that was. <laughs> um, so Shiv blows it all up. Um, Tom, let's talk about Tom for a hot minute. If someone had told wow. you, uh, like season one, that Tom was going to be running... He, he was the successor in the aptly named succession. What would you have thought at the end of like season one? Oh. Well, and, and at the end of the season one, this is when Shiv is almost like, I want an open marriage as yeah. well. On their, on their wedding night, she's like, so we just got married. We're in our room. I'd like to sleep with other people. Yeah. Also, in that episode, Tom and Greg also have a fight. Oh, they do? Yeah. Yeah, the, and then they have another fight this week, which I really just wanted to eke another 20 seconds out of it. Just Craig's, for the sexual tension. Yeah, well, I, I thought they might have kissed. I was waiting for it. Just. No, but but I also thought that, because I rewatched it tonight, they fought and then Tom looked like he was going to go again and then stopped. And it's almost like, no, go for the throat. <laughs> Do it. Do it. But also, Greg, ha- Greg had him. That reach. Yeah. You know, you can't deal with that like half giant. The Sasquatch. The C slap was a lot better than Tom's slap was. The quad squad wannabe. <laughs> so, Tom 
was arguably like just being internet heavy, um, a lot of people's favorite character because he was played so well. Give Matthew yeah, McFadden. Yeah, we've talked about award. Matthew McFadden. Yeah, so good. Um, was always kind of probably the most sympathetic. He was kind of this like Midwestern kid who got found himself in this marriage and like he seemed to genuinely love Shiv for a while, wanted to kind of have ambition. He was definitely, the way he treated Greg was good, but then bad, but then good, but then bad. Probably people's favorite character. And yet coming out of the finale, it's kind of like, oh, Tom got it. Yeah. There was a sense of a numbness to it where it didn't have the triumphalism of what I wanted with Ken, but that's completely not the point. The point is, as the mother was saying, it's a poison chalice. Like maybe it would be good if you could all get out of this. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I completely agree where it's so it's hard to pass out the way they wrote the show and the way it was acted in that Tom was like a pretty lovable character who gets the win and Kendall was He sucks the biggest cock in the room. Sucks the biggest cock in the room according to his wife. Um <laughs> <laughs> I think there was that was the moment. Or what did there was a moment where Shiv said he's like modular, you know what I mean? He'll fit anything and we can yeah. fuck him off. Yeah. And I think Sam was just almost like, oh, she's a monster. <laughs> um, yeah, Tom was pretty lovable. He gets the quote unquote win and Kendall has been pretty up and down, pretty despisable, but then pretty empathetic. And he gets the absolute loss. And yet something in that writing makes you wish it was the other way, even though it was never going to be. Like, yeah, well, I think it's because the the show's fundamental driving motivation, especially in season one, was Kendall, and I think that that's there was a reason why Kendall was the last show on the show. Where it's almost like it, it was about Kendall's want for this, and it it was never going to happen. It was never suited to him either, even though he had built himself up to be like. This is all I can do. This is what I should achieve with my life. Yeah, and he th- and he thought that, like, he was the one to do it. And there's and it's so hard for Kendall because like there's certain points where you thought he was, and there's certain points where like he thought he's the worst, and he just could never find like a medium. He's like great in the hot moment speeches, but apart from that, he just couldn't run, couldn't do it. Couldn't be trusted to stay on message. Yes. Yeah, to be um, actually consistent and reliable, and guess who's realistic, re- consistent and reliable? Tom. Tom, because he'll He's do gonna, whatever you need what, him to do. What was it? A pain sponge is what Madsen described. What he needed, yeah. and it's funny because Tom just before that said, "Like I'm, I'm a sucker for pain, or I can like wear pain." And Madsen's like, "Good, I need a pain sponge." sponge. It's like, yeah, I'll do that. Um, and he is because he's been married to Shiv Roy. That she is a she, Tom is a. It's a great way to describe Tom. Did Roman, uh, who we find is hiding out after his punch-up in the streets of uh, New York City, did you know that he was always a bracelet-wearing man? Uh, or was it just when he started the oh, Caribbean life? Because good question. I did not peg Roman for a man to have three beaded bracelets on his wrist. Do you think that's wrist. Kieran Culkin sort of bringing something to the character? Or is that sort of like the character retreating into himself, into like the teen, his teenage self at his like mum's hol- holiday house? Also, if you look at Succession Fashion Instagram, that sh- shirt that Roman's wearing, 
Um, how much do you think it's worth? The polo? Yeah, you know, the blue yeah, yeah, with the, the, the green piping on the side. Yeah, how yeah. much how much you reckon? Uh, I would pay about a hundred bucks for it. You would pay that and then how, what do you think the price of it is? Because it's succession and it's Roman, I would guess around fifteen hundred. It's twelve dollars. Oh what? It's twelve dollars. <laughs> I don't know why I was going so high. Twelve dollars. Yeah, I'll get it up. I love that he's wearing board shorts, a twelve dollar t shirt. And, a, and like three beaded bracelets on his wrist. He's just gone full child, hasn't he? In this episode, particularly. Walmart um, Nation boys color block t-shirt, thirteen ninety-five. Boys? Specifically boys? Young boys? It says, it says boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about Roman for a second. Like, kind of had a whimpering end, didn't he? He was like... In, the, in the bar ordering water martini. Yeah, Jerry's drink. Oh, yeah. that's um that he's little martini, his sip, his smile, and then his sad face. Every time there's been a drinking scene, Jerry has been drinking a martini. Do you think Jerry was there? No, no. Rose, Jerry's done with him. Jerry's done with him. They're all alone. The only person who's not alone is Shiv, and she did the um. I love the little like oh the hand, the, hand. the, awkward, the most awkward <laughs> hand hold. Caught on film. It was like the least amount of contact while still pretending to hold a hand. It's so. like if um, Padme Amidala actually went with Darth Vader in the end. <laughs> the least, the least amount of chemistry of anyone ever put on film. But um, yeah, that was that's Jerry's drink. But otherwise, Roman, uh, he was on the up and up uh, for a lot of the season. But since when his dad died just real kid it's ever since that episode it's just been dripping and dripping down uh i i did find that was the least it was the least cinematic ending of the three characters um and i i suppose he did have the end where he had to do the signing sequence and that was it yeah he just kind of like rolled up to a bar in new york and ordered a drink by himself and i think that's kind of like just saying of what's going to become a Roman's life. Probably just a raging alcoholic with no friends. Yeah. And uh, go into his... Embittered, uh, embittered and cynical now. Going off to his um, uh, jerk basement to get pity spanked, according to his sister also. <laughs> yeah, I think when she's like, Roman probably won't turn up. He's too busy down in a jerk basement getting pity spanked. This is after the episode previously. It was almost like, I'm just going to have to jerk if like you're going to be breastfeeding. If you start breastfeeding oh that child, God. I'm going to have to jerk off. That's so fucked. And, but Roman did get uh, possibly the worst lines in a long time uh, to his brother telling him that he's kids were um an adoptee and part rather part filing they're not, cabinet they're not part of the the bloodline which i completely forgot that they weren't actually his kids yeah um one they adopted and the other was done uh iv with a donor apparently um what's the story there yeah ken Ugh. but um that's when kendall loses it and i thought it was gonna like rip roman's face off what he, oh, so, okay, I've got a question for you. Why did Ken open up his stitches? I had that down as well. I did not understand when they're hugging if Roman is pushing himself into Ken 
or if Ken's pushing him in as a like a dominating thing, like he knows his dad used to beat Roman to get him in line, so he kind of like rips his stitches in the form of a hug. That makes sense. It was because, grim. Yeah, and I think that's that's what sort of and Roman responds emotionally to pain. Yeah. Like in, in a way of that's not orthodox. He essentially cries, calls him like a bastard and whatever, and then does what Kendall needs him to do, goes in and votes for him. Yeah. So that was brutal. Um, did you have any idea, to go back to Peter Munyon, uh, what his creamy margins might be? <laughs> did you hear that? Yeah. I don't know if it was Peter or if it was Jonathan, but he was like, oh, we've got creamy margins. You're going to love them. And then Roman's like, Kieran Culkin's so good. Kieran Culkin does a lot of stuff that like, his audio gets caught even when he's not on camera. Like, yes. The, the camera's leaving the room and you just hear Roman say, guys, did you hear? They've got creamy margins. I can't <laughs> wait. I liked, um, I was even saying, that, saying, this to Sam, saying this to Sam before. So I'm just like, uh, we've had to recover from your wordness. <laughs> and I think that, that leading into that cheese scene and uh, meal for a king. That was I, great. I, yeah, I think there's, there's two sort of tentpole scenes besides the obvious ones but I think that there's two where it's at the core of what succession is and there was that scene there which I thought was really great where it, it, it grounded them back as siblings did you think they were going to make it in that scene because I did I thought I was really sort of anxious throughout that scene because I thought what's going to happen is in a like a real sort of success, succession way like it happened in the first um, season where Ken couldn't get a helicopter where actually no, they won't make it back. Ken will actually get stunningly ill and will will get on the plane and be sick and That's won't be so able to make weird. it to the board meeting. I thought, I thought, Succession doesn't tend to do too many twists like that, but I thought like Ken was going to die from his smoothie or something like, or drown when he went swimming. But that was um, my my two favorite scenes of the episode were the the boardroom scene was hard to watch because of how brutal they were to each other. I re- but I did like. It's not was, something I'm running back to rewatch. No, but the the meal for a king. Jeremy Strong is doing like the oh my weirdest God. like meal fit for a king, <laughs> like the weirdest like voice sitting on the bench doing this weird thing. What it's are these? So good. He's it's an impersonation of young Ken doing an impersonation of like British aristocrat. Yeah. It was, I thought that was, that scene was great. And just like, they're all doing so much and it's so funny. And I was like smiling, thinking like, oh, they might make it. And the other one was... But then you've um, got to see there's still 45 minutes left. Yeah. You click the thing, you're like, are they going to do it? Um, and then the other one, which is like, felt a bit more classic succession, but um, them watching Logan on yeah. Connor's videotape. Yeah. Um, everyone's doing great stuff. But like the first note I put down was Kieran Culkin as Roman. I don't know if the other's followed him because we know in this show that they kind of get free reign to act whoever they want and he just sits down cross-legged on the floor and starts yeah. crying watching his dad like i was like this is brilliant this is such a good show and i what i liked about it is like there was the bit where connor is in the video but also in the scene but then ken and shiva smiling to each other and it's like this is the last tender moment that they might they might ever have probably ever now with well like these are fictional 
things that they can they can be whatever they we want them to be or whatever Jesse Armstrong wants them to be. But the whole idea where it's almost like this is the last time that they as characters, I believe that I think it's all set up as like Ken will never talk to Shiv ever again. Not that we will ever see that or that matters, but just like the way that the show emotionally resonates or these characters emotionally resonate with an audience that you feel a particular ownership of their narratives. Yeah, that was, that was a really good scene. And the scene just before that, um, I, I think uh, I read or heard somewhere else, but we didn't get enough Connor in this final season, but every time we did, oh, he Connor won the season. He's like, um, to not make a baseball reference, but instead make a, like a cricket reference. He's like a wicket keeper who, Bats one in every five test matches and scores hundred every single time he does. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, I think he says, um, what he's uh, PSBs or something like sticker in system SS SCBs, and then they're like, where'd all the medals go? And he's like, oh, that was an earlier round. And they say, oh, who was part of that? And he just giggles and says, me and no one else. And like something about uh, Alan Ruck's delivery of the like the little giggle and the laugh when he says, just me, so good. Do you he's, think that's all he's in it? Do you think he just owns that house now? Do you think he's done the deal with Marsha? Yeah, he's bought that off Marsha. Yes, and they looked very comfortable there. Where like they're already looking at redesigning. Yeah, very comfortable, except for the fact that Connor thinks he's going to uh, Slovenia and Will is staying behind, and they're going to do long distance. I, I just think that wanted Will down to the ground. I just wanted those kids to be real happy, you know, those crazy kids, Connor and Willa. But it seems like even in the final moments, Connor can't even be happy. I mean, he's happy that he's got the Sylvania job, but other than that... Maybe. The, Maybe. The, we'll have to... What is it? A, there's, there's a hearing in Wisconsin to sort that out. <laughs> um, what else did I have? Uh, oh, yeah. So I think kind of big picture as we hit near the end. Um, when... Question for you. When you rethink about this show, what is something you'll think first or the most about so whether it's uh, an actor's performance or a character's writing or like an arc or a theme or a way they made it just anything what's the first thing you'll think about when you think about this show it's hard to think about anybody other than ken for me i don't know maybe it's because like I, I really resonate with that character not that like i'm, I'm that character or like are you those... a billionaire who's murdered a waiter <laughs> not yet <laughs> The juice is loose. <laughs> one of those things could come true soon. Which one do you think's most likely? New Jess. Um, <laughs> New Jess. That was great. No, uh, no. I think Kendall and Jeremy Strong. And I know we're, we're beating over our old ground with that sort of stuff. But I just think what he did with that show was phenomenal. But also, the it's not just what Jeremy Strong did with that. It's also the writing that was provided for Jeremy. I would love to at some point they tend to release them after a while but i'd love to just as someone who wanted to write scripts at some point and might still try i'd love to go back and read scripts of this show and see how much of kendall is written and how much is jeremy strong ad-libbing because yeah. he has such a weird way of uh, speaking. Uh, cool. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> it's just so like up and down, stop, start, like random words just getting interjected. What did you think of the kids' sort of impersonations while he was swimming? 
Uh, I had that in my notes that um, that was just uh, Sarah Snook and Kieran Culkin just making fun of Jeremy Strong. That was that was probably yeah. not even in the script. That was like, uh, this is our chance. He's not in the room. Well, uh, you guys tried to murder me. They weren't great <laughs> impressions, but like it was still good. I it, think, it, it hit true to like what we know about the show, yeah. I think my immediate thing that I would go back and think about is Tom and Greg. I don't think oh. I don't I can't think of a relationship between two men in a show like this in a long time that kind of compares to it. Like just the way they treat each other, but then the way they relied on each other. Like I just can't I can't think of any other show that kind of had a relationship like this. And whenever I think about it, I think about the season four finale where season three. Oh yeah, this was season four, season three finale, um, where Tom kneels down in front of him and like, "Do you want to come with me, Sporus?" And Greg's like, "Boo, souls! Who needs them?" And they like have this souls really, are boring. Souls are boring, and they have this really tender hug, and they're just like, "All right, we're going with Logan." Like that was one of my favorite scenes of the whole show. So for me, it's Tom and Greg. I like the emotional sort of affair that was occurring between those two. I think there was the moment when he ran into Greg's office, threw everything off the table and, and then jumped up onto the cabinet. I think it was because he, was like, he wasn't going to jail anymore. Yes, he'd been told that he was no longer uh, Logan's patsy to go to jail. While and Shiv was like so ready to sell him down the river. To send him. Um, so for me, it's Tom and Greg, but yes, Kendall, obviously. Uh, the, other, the next question, uh, do you think, and I think I know the answer to this, but do you think it was the right place to end it? Yeah. I think otherwise it would be dragging and I think it would actually look at this idea of like they killing off Logan for to then sort of extend it where it's almost like you actually saw in that sort of scene that the way that the character was portrayed is it had a magnetism to it. I feel like I could have like they, they couldn't have done they couldn't have ended this season where they did and kept going. I think that that is obvious, but you want to Jesse's show got a pitch for season five, but like he doesn't want to do it. But he doesn't I want think to do it. Yeah. He's almost like, if we did, this is what it would be, but this is the right thing to do. I would watch I would watch it, and I think everyone who watched Succession would watch it. I don't know how good it could be, but a show where I mean, you don't want it to happen because it always dilutes the quality, but a show where Tom and Greg it's are still running. In that universe. They run. Tom and Greg, like five years later, are running Waystar Royco, and maybe it's just about them. Maybe we don't bring the kids back, or maybe Shiv's already gone. Shiv's left. Um, I don't think you could bring the kids back in any way. Jeremy Strong wouldn't come back. I was trying to come up with an idea where maybe they've started a rival company, and then it's like about these rival the companies. Hundred. They've, they've started they the still, hundred. Do they still buy PGM? Do you think? No. Well, no. they should. They were going to, and then they lost the company. So why wouldn't you? Like Kendall can why? go run a, a rival company and be the boss he wants and to be. And he was happy with that prior. Yeah, I was. Um, God, I can't remember who I was talking about this, but um, the idea that like they had the hundred, then they realized no, we can buy PGM, and then they could have bought PGM. And I think they still can, but they had to keep their own company. Why would they, they might not? need Shiv's money? That would be the problem. Yeah, interesting. That's a good point. Um, I think what I was getting and at And I was... don't think Ken and um, 
Roman would be in. No, I don't think they. No. That's that's relationship They've is fallen dead out. now. Yeah, I probably could have taken another season to get to this point. I think it would have got. I think before they did the season four, it's over. I in my mind, it was always five seasons. Yeah, I, I feel like we could have had Logan's death when we had it, and played the rest of it out across with Madsen as the new half. big baddie yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, and the was... internal and Jared Menken as president. The it, the thing is that all the chess pieces are in are in an interesting place to see where it would go. But yeah, like it, it could have. It, the it idea, needs to end at some point too. It had. I, I think it could have ended here, just at the end of season five, because I didn't. I think this season was awesome, and like this is just spitballing for the sake of the podcast. But the the whole thing that this season was like each episode was taking place on a day just made everything feel so condensed and it gave it like propulsion, but I could have seen things play out a little slower. Um, I didn't like how it was so like, oh, and the next day was almost like, I felt like that was bending the realms of believability a little bit too much. Yeah, they flew they flew around, around a lot in a short amount of time. I think that the name is on the tin. The show is not called Billions. It's not called Industry. It's called Succession. And we saw the succession. And like we didn't necessarily get as... I think... Did I send you that meme today? Where it's like Logan Roy came back. And it's almost <laughs> said, it's succession time. It succeeded over everybody. It succeeded over everybody. <laughs> we could have had a Logan Roy rises from the dead. It was all a ploy to see which one of you would get on top. I did think, is that can we get a, like a zombie Logan um, during the show? But no, the, it's the name is on the tin. It is, and we got to that point, and the show has promised on its brief, and anything more than that is sort of, what's the point? We're yeah. following these characters, but the remit of this is the succession and the succession has occurred. Well, that, that, but that, that's, that's the entire point of the show. Yeah. And that, and the creative sort of tension and of these characters and in this situation is now slackened. It's loosened. It's over where now the whole idea is, well, she's pregnant. That's the next. If, if, if Tom continues to be able to play a role, in this, I'm not sure like what the lifespan of corporate CEOs in America is actually all that good. But oh, the whole if he's, if he's doing what Matson wants him to do, he'll be there for a while. So then the whole point is, well, Shiv and Tom are going to have a kid, and that is a direct bloodline to Logan. So the the succession is already in place. The generation for these kids is over. It's already happened. They've moved it's on. almost like Prince Harry. You're fucking a now. I was now. just about to say it's Prince Harry when um whatever that kid's name is, whatever William's kid's name is, Gus, Prince Gus. I don't know. Reptilia. Um, <laughs> the I think I heard something today that I wanted to wrap on, which was a good summary of the show, which is that um it was kind of pitched and played, and we thought that we were kind of watching a boardroom drama full of billionaires when in fact that was the stuff happening off screen in the margins with Logan and what we were actually watching was a bunch of shit incompetent kids flop around trying to do their best Mm. and like they packaged that inside this show that you thought you were watching but it was never about that like even 
Logan, while he was alive, was doing deals off to the side and all the characters just kind of reacted in the wake of the things he had done. It was never like kind of active in the participation, which and I think... And how they thought about the world in the sense of what would dad do? Yeah, and that's why, and that's why when you don't kind of realise that until he's dead and then once he's dead, all you have is the kids flopping. When you used to have competence around them that they could latch onto, and then Logan's dead, and we watched seven episodes of these kids just floundering um, to end all losing, um, except for Shiv, who is in an unhappy oh, marriage, no, but lost. she has she has a she has a father of her child who she touches with one finger in the car as There's they go no, home, and she's already said about like how disinterested she is in being a mother. Stara Snook has talked in interviews about how like she will be an awful mother. Yeah, she's going so to be she's, she's going to be Caroline. She's going to be her mum. She's the ultimate loser here too. Who would you rather be? I think that Out that of might the three be, siblings. Yeah, right now I think that will be a nice way to sort of finish it. Who would you rather be the three? Romy, Romy, Romy. Yeah, why? I would want to be Roman because he has self-awareness and as wasn't wasn't really told this was his birthright. His dad told him it, I think, in either in season two, maybe. He said, this should be you. Um, but he kind of has that scene in the boardroom where he's self-aware. He's like, we're nothing. We're clowns. He goes to a bar. He has a drink. Has a bit of a smile. He can kind of... He feels like the one. He can see the humor in it as well. Yeah. He, 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 at the end of the series, feels like the one that could do the most going forward. Kendall is just what what uh, the Grim Reaper Colin Kendall's just getting followed around by his dad's bodyguard staring in the ocean. Shiv is kind of now locked in this fucking horrible marriage with Tom. Rome, like as beaten and battered and childish as he is, and probably the most despicable character on the show, he is the one at the end who I feel has the most potential to now actually do something else. Yeah, I tell you what though, you don't want to be Hugo. Hugo's in the bin. <laughs> I loved um, Carolina coming up to uh, Shiv and being like, hey, new so, culture. Uh, new culture, right? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Cool, so we're uh, getting rid of Hugo <laughs> just straight away. <laughs> I love that, that that became like a C or a D pot within it where it's like Hugo had gone from like uh, Ken's dog and like just... Woof, woof. Just... Flat out awful, but again, Fisher Stephen Fisher Stevens plays him so wonderfully. So well. good, Frank and Carl as well. Just like one more, what do they say? One more, one more rodeo, one more rodeo. That was good too. Or yeah. golden parachute, and then they flip, and it's almost like we're getting rid of those fucking guys. Yeah. Give us a show about Frank and Carl, like just essentially the Rosencrantz <laughs> and Guildenstern. Called Golden Parachute. Just called Golden Parachute. Just like old dogs just traveling the country in there. With Carl trying to run his island that he bought with his brother-in-law. <laughs> oh, he's got his own scheme yeah. with creamy what, dividends. Creamy dividends with Munyan and Jonathan who's had problems, but he's getting better. Watch that. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to... The, the last note I've got about the thing when... Uh, oh, fuck, I forgot his name. We'll have to edit this. Um, when cousin Greg got his, got his phone out at the bar 
and turned on like yep. the translator is almost like you I shouted and pointed it at the TV like Leonardo DiCaprio in the meme <laughs> and I shouted, You fucking snake Greg, you're fucking excellent. I loved I loved Greg. He just information man, but like what a fucking sneaky son of a bitch. Just immediately calls Kendall like, I've got some information. Should we quad it up? Like <sighs> Greg. Give you if I give you something amazing will you give me something excellent or something like that and then, and then it was kind of heartwarming that tom stuck his sticker on him and said i've got oh, some capital I love that i've got some capital you're you're gonna hang around like it was for the two, for the two characters that were horrible but not as horrible as everyone else it was kind of nice for them to have that split they're the moment. actually enduring love story they are that's why i wanted him to kiss in the bathroom after their fight <laughs> and then was it madsen calls him judas judas look we even got judas in here <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, great show. I think that's a really good point to end it with Cousin Greg. <laughs> Cousin Greg, the one who should have won. Well, in some ways he did. We don't know what we're going to do now. Succession's over, so maybe we should consider a another draft, but we'll chat and we'll come back next week. <laughs> <laughs>